In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm thrilled to have on the podcast today, Richie Norton. Richie is an award-winning author and serial entrepreneur. His an executive coach to CEOs. He is featured in Forbes, Bloomberg, Business Week, Entrepreneur, Huffington Pacific Business News recognized Richie as one of the top 40 under 40 best and brightest young businessmen in Hawaii. Richie is one of the world's thinking leaders and top 100 coaches as an honor as honored by MG100. He's the CEO and co-founder of Product and Incorporated 5000 Company a global entrepreneurship solution helping businesses go from idea to market with full-service sourcing, product strategy, and end-to-end supply chain. He is the author of several books, including his new book, Anti-Time Management, The Power of Starting Something Stupid, and Resumes Are Dead and What to Do About It. Richie was born and raised in San Diego before moving to Brazil and then Hawaii. Richie is happily married to Natalie. They have four boys, one son who's already made his way to heaven, and they've cared for three beloved foster children. They live on the North Shore of Oahu, Hawaii, with their little dog. Is it Beltsy? No, it's, it's Velzy. It's Velzy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. Richie, thank you so much for coming on Doing Good today. Oh, I am so excited. We're going to have so much fun. <laughs> it's we are going to have a blast. Yeah. Thank, you, thank you. Thank you. I have to tell all my smart entrepreneur intellectual people that I am just like a mom whose brain left with each child more of my (laughs) left my body and every time I interview someone like really awesome really smart I'm like I'm so sorry I wish that I had smarter questions for you (laughs) more intellectual but I have no sleep and my boys run me ragged Mm. and I'm lucky I can like string together coherent sentences which I can't always (laughs) well you you sound like you're doing it right you sound like you're the smartest person in the room right now you know (laughs) that's right that's right great good life is no joke it's it's hard work (laughs) okay so Richie you don't know me but I have Instagram stalked your family for years and have watched you guys go through the most incredible trials and and the most wonderful highs and lowest of lows. And something that I've noticed on on your wife Natalie's account is that you have such an optimistic and positive outlook on life. And and basically her theme and it seems to be woven through the Norton family is just care for others love other people, and do good in this world. Would you say that's pretty accurate for the Nortons? (laughs) I I would say so. And you're so nice to say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, though. It's like you're just, you're always smiling, at least in the pictures that she posts. But you just seem so optimistic and happy. And, And as I mentioned in the bio, one little boy has already gone up to heaven. Will you tell us just a little bit about what that was what that was like losing losing your sweet son Gavin was his name i know he was only 3 months old when he passed away and what what would you say to parents out there who have lost a child and maybe even recently what are some things that you guys did to stay close together as a as a family and as a couple and not 
you know, separate and, and, and grieve in your own little worlds, or maybe you did and stay close as a family and have faith and optimism that things were going to be okay after such a tragic thing. You know, we learned that grief is a, is a tunnel and not a cave. And we learned that it's important to assign meaning to tragedy because sometimes you'll look for it and you'll, and you won't find it. And whether there is meaning behind it or whether it just happened because the world is the way the world is, you have to decide what it means to you. And it's okay to like watch and binge Netflix all day long. It's okay to like hang out, you know, and, and hide away. It hurts though when you, and it happens constantly, you kind of punish yourself for feeling bad. And then it becomes a, a trauma loop. And then you start to maybe feel okay for a second, but then you punish yourself for feeling okay when something bad happened, you know? So yeah, it goes on and on. But, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he lives on and off with this for about five years. And one day, well, I'll just say it straight. Like he didn't wake up. He passed away in his sleep at the age of 21. And this is, you know, my, my wife's only brother and he was our kids like favorite you know person in the world you know it was all these things to us yeah and we realized like wow life is short and even though that's cliche it doesn't make it any less true he didn't get the chance to live to be retired at 65 (laughs) and and live this life that we're told we'll we'll live you know and it really shook us obviously Yes. He's buried in La Ie, you know, and in, in the, the the warm sands of the beach over here. And his his place in the cemetery kind of became our kids playground. It's a, it's a weird thing to say, but unless you've had someone close to you that passed away, it's hard to comprehend. You know, that's where we go to say hi to Unki. And our death, our kids have grown up with, with the, the reality of, of death. A few years later, our, our fourth son, who you mentioned, we, 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 who you mentioned, we named him Gavin after my brother-in-law, Gavin, who had passed away. And he brought so much joy into our lives. You know, he kind of filled the hole that he could, you know, in, in a, a way a baby can. And one day he got a cough and we took him to the doctors and they kind of said we were overprotective parents and that everything's fine and we're like okay and he, it persisted we took him back actually a couple times and and every time they said it's just it's not a thing it's just a cough it's a baby you know it's the baby's fine and one night it kind of got bad and and we're doing all the things creating these little 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 tent things so that there's like enough you know air and it's humidity thing you know we're, we're, we're doing whatever we can all, all the things they tell us to do both yep. like the, the doctors and the natural so everything and we take we take them in and they, they they kept us at the hospital for some time and they finally after a long time they checked for something called pertussis also known as whooping cough and they finally realized that's what he had and we were at Children's Hospital. And, you know, they're doing the best they can. They're doing everything. But it was just too much on this baby boy's little body. And I remember 
there's a point where like bringing in a crash cart. There's a point where there's a nurse saying you guys should stay the night. And we're like, what? <laughs> we always stay the night. Like, what are you talking about? But she was being nice and she was trying to clue us into the idea that he wasn't going to make it through the night. And I remember when they took out all the wires, all the, all the tubes, and these were his last moments. And I held him, handed him to my wife. I held him for like a second, handed him to my wife. She's on a rocking chair and she's just cradling him, rocking him. I'm on my knees. I have my hand on his little heart. We're singing him lullabies and we're just soaking it in and waiting for those last beats. And when, when Gavin passed, it was like, how, how do you leave that room? And another nurse came in and said, you know, she was so, she, she was an angel. She's just like, you know, can I, can I rock him? You know, giving us the opportunity to be able to, I don't know, go to the next horrible parts. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we left that hospital empty handed and the world never, never felt heavier. And, you know, a lot of people experience a lot of different tragedies. There's no comparing. It is what it is. Pain fills up your whole body. You know, it's exhausting. It's, it's draining. It lasts for years, maybe your whole lifetime. It's not about moving. In my opinion, it's not about moving, moving on. It's about moving forward. These experiences become a part of you. They change you. And someone asks, like, what did you learn? What did you learn from your brother-in-law passing away and your, your son passing away? And, and Natalie's like, ask me in a year. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Yeah. It was actually Sherry Dew that asked us that question. Oh, uh, she, she's, she's a wonderful mentor. And I came up with something that I call Gavin's Law. And Natalie and I have explored this Gavin's Law for, for years. And we've written about it and talked about it. And we came up with this idea of Gavin's Law in, in, in this way live to start, start to live. Because when you live those ideas that are pressing on your mind, you really will start living. So even in the midst of hardship, there are ideas, positive ones, that can reinforce or energize that other person inside of us that we didn't know existed to be able to have the courage to survive. And whatever is next. And I say it in that way because I know everyone will, in their own way, they apply hardship, tragedy, circumstance to their own, you know, life and their own view. Yeah. And as they should. So it leaves room for people to be able to work through whatever they're working through. And also understanding that there's not this end that we're just trying to say one day we're going to wake up, it's going to be okay. No, something yeah. terrible happened. What are you going to do now? Now what, you know, and sometimes it's not anything. Now what that's not, it's not always just moving to the next thing. So we call it Gavin's locks. We have these ideas that are pressing on our mind, but we ignore them because we say things like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. But at the same time, there's this idea where you can live to start this idea that's pressing on your mind and you really will start living. So when I say assign positive meaning to what's happening, I'm not saying it was a positive thing. Yeah. I'm saying there is a way you can figure something out, even while it's hard. What I, what I don't share is, you know, like 
the, 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 the way it impacts everything else, you know, <laughs> and, and the way it, it takes us from what we're thinking about and the way we think about the future, you know, and, and yeah. where our past comes from. Yeah. But I want to share some more ideas with that with you, but I just kind of wanted to like pause and if anyone's listening to this, just to ask themselves, like, what is that idea that's pressing on my mind? Am I really going to live a life full of regret of things that could be done that should have been said that I should do? Or am I going to do something about it? And a lot of times we label them as something that's stupid because if it wasn't stupid, we, we would have done it already, yeah. you know? And uh, anyways, that, that's the short story of, of Gavin and Gavin. I love Gavin's law and I love the thought of you have to sometimes just start moving your feet, just start living so you can start living. I mean, it, 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 I love that idea of you just have to, and the idea of grief as a tunnel instead of a cave, that you're not stuck, that you can keep moving forward through that darkness and through that difficult, horrific thing that there's somewhere that you're going, there's moving forward and not on. And I, and I love that idea. That's an interesting question of, of, okay, what is it that I'm afraid to start doing? What, what, what is it that I'm, how am I holding myself back from living my fullest life? That's kind of a scary question. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is a scary question. And pe people will ask me too, like, because we're, we're, we, we love, we love God and we, we love, you know, people. We get all these people praying for us. Yeah. We didn't get a miracle. Yeah. It did not happen. Yeah. And I, and I know people sitting in church are always saying there's, we believe so hard and this, and this miracle happened. And the rest of the people sitting in the room go, are you telling me that I didn't have enough faith? Yes. This is a real conversation. You know, yes. what I learned is, First of all, faith isn't necessarily an outcome. The greatest miracle of, of faith is having faith when there is no miracle. Yes. We're not sign seekers, you know, and we're, we're, we're hoping that good things happen. And so then you can place your faith in the things that are real, the things that are eternal and the things that move around, you can, you can go to work on. I say it this way because like more things happened, you know, like <laughs> at, at one, at one point my, 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 my wife, Natalie meets this wonderful woman who has these wonderful three children. And she asks if we can babysit them. We've never met them before. It was seven-year-old girl and one-year-old twins, a boy and a girl twin. And we're like, sure. I mean, she, she has got a new job. She needed whatever. Anyways, she didn't come back. So all of a sudden, we go from having three kids to four kids to three kids to six kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm obviously not telling the whole story here because I right. got a lot of blanks to fill in, but we right. have so much time. At some point, Child Protective Services shows up at our house and they're like, you know, I... I don't need to go into all the details, but you know, they're going to do something with the kids in the foster system, whatever. And we said, well, where are they going to go? Yeah. They, they said, well, there's nobody wants three kids. It's too many. No one, no one can take three kids. Yeah. It's too, it's too many at one time. And I'm like, okay, where are they going to go? Well, they're going to sleep in our offices. And we're like, what are you talking? You know, I mean, this is, I mean, everyone's doing their best, right? Yeah. And the system is the system. So we're like, Mm, Natalie and I were like immediately like we'll we'll 
we'll take that. Like, we'll care for them. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes until things get sorted, you know? Yeah. And they said, well, you're not foster parents. You're not foster certified. And we said, well, what can we do? And they said, well, maybe we started to get creative. They said, maybe because the mom put them in your care, we can call it kinship placement. Interesting. And they did. Okay. You can't get paid. None of these services here for you, you know, that people do this, you know, and take time to get certified for, right? Whatever we can do. So we take these kids in and they're wonderful. And, and honestly, Natalie is such an amazing person. S- save them in ways you can never imagine. Or I believe it. Yeah. It's like, I get emotional thinking about it, but I tell you this, like we, we had them for two years and we planned on, you know, adopting them, but they end up going to buy a mom, which is wonderful and also horrific. And for many different reasons, as you can imagine. Yes. And like to, to have these children ripped from your arms, like one day to the next, like one week they're with you the next week or day they're gone. Oh no, they're not coming home with you today after school. <laughs> That's a different kind of hurt. Mm. You know, we 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 have our faith that you know these things with our Gavins. You know, there's a finality, and there's a, hopefully you know this this we'll get to see him again. Yes, but with people that are alive that are in the world, an open wound possibly. We don't know what's going on. Man, that's scary stuff. <laughs> and it hurts yeah. in ways. It hurts in ways almost definitely different, but almost sometimes more. I can't uh, imagine. Yeah. And we were going to, what, what we've done as a family to try and like huddle up. Yeah. After these different situations. <laughs> yeah. One, we keep all these people alive with us. We're, meaning even if they're not here with us, they're constantly a part of our conversations. Their pictures are there. We talk about them. We, we, we're, we're not, this is just us. I'm not, this is a description, not a prescription. Yes. Right. So we're just doing this and we talk about this and we, we bring them with us wherever we go. And, and um, we allow our, our kids to talk about that, you know, and express their feelings too. Anyways, we were to go on this long road trip. We do this every once in a while and try to just be together. And when you go on a long road trip, you're not, someone might think, and a lot of people do, they're trying to escape something. But in reality, <laughs> If you've ever driven for a half na- half an hour with your kids, like to the grocery store, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know there's just no escaping. <laughs> no, no escape. Like a- it is not a yeah. I will say it's it's not a vacation with kids. It's a trip. It's an adventure. You know, you don't escape anything. Yeah. yeah. But what we found is that what happens is though, though over time things come up without even having to do like these prompts or necessarily like some weird like. Like let's let's talk seriously now, kids. You know, we all, yeah. we're, we're yeah. interventions. They kind of come up naturally. Yes. We were on the way to the airport for one of these trips, one way tickets to New York, and all of a sudden Natalie couldn't talk. She's stuttering, and I'm like, okay. And then I realize, oh, she can't remember where she is. She doesn't know my name. She doesn't oh, know. My, she doesn't know my kids' names. She had a stroke. And we're not exactly sure what caused it. You know, we raced to the hospital and they definitely saw that there was a a stroke, but they they couldn't see any like permanent damage. And we said, what, we were there for, you know, so quite some time. And they said, what happens, you know, what happens now? And they're like, all right, live your life. There's nothing we can do. And there's nothing we know to do. There's no way to prevent this. And we have no idea when it's going to happen again. And so I'm like, well, we're, I guess we're going home. We're not going on this trip. You know, you can go, you could go lay down and that and like, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, I'm getting on that airplane. If I lay down, I'm not getting back up. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and she was brave. And she actually was going to go on the plane before us by herself to meet someone that we were going to meet up, whatever. And I gave her a little card that said, if I, if I can't remember my name, call this phone number, you know? <laughs> then I was like, oh, she's going to forget to give them the card. <laughs> so bad, so bad, so bad, so bad. Anyways, we ended up on the road for six months. Wow. And we, and we drew, not knowing where we would sleep at night, legitimately. Wow. And people are like, well, do you have money to do that? Nope. We made our money on the road the same way we would make it at home. No like, way. Or an office. We made it. We didn't, wasn't debt. It wasn't money from somewhere. Every penny we spent, we made on the road. And we weren't doing like little like, we weren't selling food on the side of the road or anything. You know, I was working from my cell phone basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we went for six months, New York, all the way up and down the country to down to you know, San Diego, Mexico, all the way up the coast into Canada, back down the back to Hawaii. Oh. This is when I, when I get back. And then at some point in time, I get this call. I was traveling. I was going to go to, I was speaking. And then I was going to go to, to China for some work. And I get this call in the late at night, text over and over and over. Like, What's going on? And my friend tells me my son had just been hit by a car. And it was so bad that they couldn't recognize him. Oh my gosh, Richie. And I was like, okay. So I, 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 I'm, I'm being underwhelming right now. Like it, obviously like things are crazy. Right. So, so I, I cancel everything, of course, fly back, you know, the first flight out. And we spent all this time in the hospital with our son, Lincoln, who had been hit by a, a distracted driver who didn't literally didn't see him at all. So there was no slowing down. He just hit him. He, he stopped and came back after, but it was one of those kind of things. And, you know, <laughs> I remember I was like, I was at the hospital. I came back to the house to get something. We live maybe an hour away from the, from the hospital that he's at. And I was walking along like this grassy part of this, this beach, very, no one's there. And I just, I remember thought thinking like, does God hate me? That was my thought, <laughs> you know? Right. And I was like, you know, like all these things are happening. And then I thought, you know, these things didn't didn't happen to me. They happened to to them, people I love. And I thought they weren't actually strung together. Like one thing didn't lead to the next. They just kind of they're attached to to Natalie and I, you know, because they're these are the pieces of people we we love. Yes. And then I thought, I had this thought, I'd never thought it before, I'd never heard it before. I thought Love God unconditionally. And, and when I finally thought, love God unconditionally, I thought, doesn't he love us unconditionally? Why are we always blaming God? Why are we always blaming daddy in the sky? Why is our faith always going up and down every time we don't get what we want? Is that faith? It's so when I finally said, you know what? I don't think God did this on purpose. I think it just happened. I'm going to love God. And I can't explain it. And I can't explain it away because it happened, but I also can't explain it. And I'm not looking for some crazy meaning in it. It just happened. I'm going to love God unconditionally, keep my faith and go to work. And that gave me the courage to be able to keep my faith and to be able to go and focus on the things that matter in my life that I do have control over, which is helping where I can, living my best life, and also Stop waiting to do the things I want to do. The concept I've learned is don't time your values. Value your time. Oh, I love that. When you time your, yeah, you can say it. Go for it. (laughs) Don't time your values. Value your time. That's powerful. 
Because when you time your values, you don't live them. It's like baking a cake without sugar and expecting it to be sweet. Yeah. Like I, I know you can do keto stuff now and make it sweet and all that. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. But if you have, a, if you're tr- really trying to bake a cake with your values, I live a life with values, but you wait to do them later. You can't say you lived a life on value. You can't right. li- say you lived a prioritized life when it wasn't prioritized. You can't say you live a life on purpose when you didn't live on purpose. You can't because yeah. t- time doesn't work that way. Right. So people go, you know, so how do I have more free time? How do I have more flexibility? How, co- how can I have these cool things that are happening in my life, even when tragedies are happening? Yeah. You, have to, you have to only say one thing. Don't tell yourself you're going to have more time in five or 10 years because you won't. And if you are told by your corporation, by your work, by waiting for the kids to grow up, by waiting for the kids to get out of the house, by waiting for the kids to go from one grade to the next, by waiting for the mortgage to be paid off, by waiting for your school debt to be paid off. When you say that, you are, you are, you are intentionally saying, there's a million things that bad that might go wrong, and I, which means I'm less likely to do the things that I want later. So people will say, because time's so abstract. So they'll go, I'm going to, let me say it this way. When you sacrifice what you love for success, you get neither. Yeah. Yes. I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like someone saying, I want to be healthy. I can't wait for in 10 years when I finally get to start being healthy. And you go, health doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> Neither does time. If you yeah. want more time later, you, cr- you figure out ways to have more time with your family and whatever else is important to you now, because then you yeah. learn how to do it. Even when there's all these I'm not, I'm not saying do more. I get there's soccer and there's ballet and there's baseball and there's football and basketball. And somehow they're, even though they're in different seasons, there's now these clubs. And so they're all happening at oh. the same time. And so you're going like all day long. Like I, I don't, I totally get that. I'm saying there is a way in all of that chaos to like treat time. Like Marie Kondo treats clothes. I love that. <laughs> up. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Do I love this? Is this serving me? Yeah. Is this slice of time serving me right now? No. Nope. Right. Okay. Get rid of it. That's do right. something that's, else. I love it. That's what anti-time management's about. So, so like that's the whole concept, really. I mean, there's obviously more to it, but but I mean, the idea is how can you create this castle, your life, your dream, and then have a yeah. moat that protects it, as yeah. opposed to living in a way where you're constantly just going in this whirlpool of a moat working and hoping that one day you'll get out. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way most people live. And it's not, that's not a thing that any, it's not a gospel thing. That's not a thing that anybody actually wants us to do other than to be, this is kind of out of left field, but as a result of the industrial revolution and as a result of way people have worked for 200 years, that's the way we've been told to do it. And that's the way we've been incentivized, incentivized to do it. That's why we only get two weeks off of vacation every year. And that's the way we do it. But now in the 21st century, there's a totally different opportunity. So let's get back to our values and live yeah. from the values and not endlessly toward them. Have you seen the queue? Are you a Disney fan? Of, of course. Yes. I was just, I just visited someone at the, the Aulani Disneyland hotel thing. They have it on Oahu here oh. yes, just, just yesterday. And it was amazing. It amazing. <laughs> I've only been to Oahu twice and both times we went to Ko'olina. Yep. And, right there. and then we've, you know, driven, we've done a bunch of things. We went to a, a bunch of different places on the North shore and but it, Oahu is the most stunning place ever, but yeah. there's this cute little Disney short. And now I can't think of the name it's oh, inner workings. I think is what it's called. Have you seen that? I don't know. I don't know. It's this guy and, and he has these little, he wakes up, 
And it's all the inside of his body. It's the whole thing is his brain is arguing with his heart, the whole, the whole little short. And so he wakes up and his little kidneys and, and his bladder's full. And so it sends a signal to his brain. I'll go to the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom and he, he turns on the radio to dance in the shower. And the brain tells his heart, if you dance, you'll get a, then you'll pull the radio down. It'll electrocute you and you'll die. And it has this priest like, you know, doing the cross and in his mind. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to dance in the shower. And then he is walking to work and he sees these people sitting out enjoying breakfast and his, and his stomach's like, oh, I'm so hungry. And so his heart's like, let's go get breakfast. And his brain's like, if you eat that giant breakfast, you're going to get fat, mm-hmm. you're going to die. And so everything mm-hmm. in his brain, like, don't, don't enjoy, don't enjoy, you will die. And then he gets to work and it, you know, he punches the card and puts it down and punches the card. And he looks around and, and he imagines these people punching the cards into their graves and eventually dying. He's like, wait a minute. I've been so afraid of living that I'm, I'm not at all. And so I'm, or I'm so afraid of dying that I'm not living at all. What I'm doing to, to, to stay safe and to protect myself, I'm actually just digging my own grave. And so he like mm. runs out the work, the doors and he puts on these sunglasses and he goes into the ocean. He gets pummeled by waves and it's kind of shocking, but it, it's so fun. And he eats that giant breakfast and it's not like, Oh, just do whatever you want. Live, but it's like, do exactly what you're saying to do. Like, don't just stay on the moat. Get yes. off, like go live yes. your life. And it is the, my boys watch it all the time and they don't really understand all the hidden messages in it. They just think the brain's funny and the heart's funny, whatever. But I'm like, mm. I love that subconsciously there maybe something's being drilled into their brain of you have to enjoy life now and you can't be scared of, but what if I get fat? But what if I don't work? But what mm. if that business thing doesn't work out? What if I lose someone I love? What if this business fails? There's always that. But I've, I've tried to tell my boys, if you don't try, the answer is a no. So if you're afraid of failing, if you don't try, you still haven't, it still hasn't worked out to you. <laughs> like it, the answer is still a no. So yes. why don't you try out for that basketball team? Well, I'm too scared. I'm not going to make it. But if you don't try out, you haven't made it anyway. So mm. why don't you just try and see what happens? Because amazing things can happen when you're like, no, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to live. I'm going to just do it. Yeah. And then you'll know. I don't have to look back with regrets. And in <laughs> yeah. the, the tragedy, like you said, Richie, <laughs> just like the craziest things that have happened in this craziest life that you're still like, yeah, but I'm still going to live and I'm still going to, I'm going to be happy in spite of all of that. I think yeah. the most powerful thing you said was to me, it was to love God unconditionally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I do that. Mm-hmm. I know he loves me unconditionally. I don't know. I want to, but but there are definitely times where I'm like, why in the world? This sucks. I've done everything. Like the prodigal son, like look at him having the feasts and, and having all yeah. these amazing things. That I've done everything right and it's not working out. I don't know that I do. And man, how different would my life be if I'm like, yeah, no matter what though, I am going to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 No, thanks for sharing that. Seriously. It is. It's, it's hard, you know, it's all hard. Yeah. A lot of the things we talk about, a lot of things we, we have hard times with is, is, is timing. Yeah. You know, like even the example you gave, I've I've done all this, they haven't, and they have all this and I don't, right. That's a, that's a classic thing. And it's like, that's a, that's a, that's a timing thing. True. If we stop managing time and start prioritizing attention. Ooh. 
it changes your whole world. Yes. How do you do that? How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. And attention's an interesting word because, you know, everyone says they're distracted and, and so many of us, you know, have ADD, ADHD. We have all these, everyone's attention is like a a crazy word nowadays because it means something different to everyone. Yeah. But if we take it for the word, like, maybe if we, maybe if we take the word attention away for a second and say the word purpose, Oh, stop managing time, start prioritizing purpose, then your attention will be on purpose because the same people that say that they're very distracted with the world can can also be extremely hyper-focused because when they're hyper-focused, they crowded out distractions because their attention was prioritized. Mm -hmm. So we're always going to be torn back and forth between a million different things. But if you can say, it's a weird question, but you have to remember goals from experience are tasks. You've done it before. You're just going to do it again. Stop calling it a goal. <laughs> a, a, a goal outside experience is growth, which means, which means inherently you don't know how to do it. Right. If you knew how to do it, you would have either done it already <laughs> or you would have maybe overcome the fear of doing it, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is yeah. to, to get there. So when it comes to prioritizing attention, you say, what's the job of the goal? Because then it moves you to what you really want. When I wrote The Power of Starting Something Stupid, people will start their stupid ideas. So they're prioritizing their attention. They're making this magic happen. They'd make money. They'd make meaning. They'd have time for whatever. And then they'd be like, but that wasn't what I wanted. And we'd have to have this conversation. What, what do you mean? Well, I started this business so I could have more time with my family and travel the world. Oh, so you were two-stepping or maybe 10-stepping. So we, yeah. we irrationally set up this thing to get something else. Always, when we already know the something else we want. So instead of two-stepping, just do the thing. And you re-identify, you know, how you live your life, your values, the qualities that you, you embrace, your character. You create an environment, an ecosystem around you to become it before you become it. We go, Richie, like, how do I do? What do I do? What's going on? And I go, decide who you want to be and you'll know what to do. I'm not talking in circles. I'm just saying, if you already know you want to travel, why don't you start a business while you're traveling? <laughs> Live the dream, create a moat to support it. So, so when I started realizing people were doing all this stuff, they were taking all these even management principles, goals, habits, and strengths that we've learned from corporations, yeah. and pl- applying them not just entrepreneurship, but applying them to the way they run their house, to the way their projects go, to the way their, their passions are done, to the way they even go to church. And you go, oh, is, is that right? This isn't about right or wrong. It's yeah. like, is, is it working or not? Because if you're, yeah. not where, if you're not where you're at, you already know what got you there. So if you want to be somewhere else, become someone else. And then you'll do the activities that align. It's very important. <laughs> so, and it, okay, and it makes so much sense, but what if, you're like, okay, but okay, I want a boat. I want a boat. I want to make memories with my family on the lake. But in order to get that boat, I do have to make money to support that. So, so there is a two step. So how do you, so what about that? It's like, or I want, I want a pool in my backyard. I want the memories with my boys 
having their kids over or their friends over, having a bunch of kids at my house, creating that space where they can come. I want a pool in my backyard, but I have to make money to get the yeah. pool in my backyard. You, 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 you were asking the, the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Aristotle called it final cause. And the idea of final cause is that an acorn becomes an oak tree. So I like to say, why are you always planting sunflower seeds? I mean, it's cool to have sunflowers, but if you want an oak tree, plant acorns. Yeah, right. So, someone will say, I want a pool, and then they'll go go get a job that will never allow them to enjoy the pool. They'll yeah. go get a mortgage that will never allow them the freedom to be able to pay this thing off until they sell the house. Like, yeah. this is this is real stuff. Why did yeah. you do that? Because they didn't have a better idea. Yeah. So the real answer to that is ask a better question, not, not you specifically, but in general, yes. ask a better question ask a better question, get a better answer. Our, okay. our, our lives are led by the questions we ask. So when you ask better questions, you lead a better life. Yeah. Period. Hard stop. That's just the way it works. True. And so uh, in addition to terrible things happening around you, that you can't control the things you can control. It's the questions you ask. So yeah. In final cause, uh, if someone were to make, a, it's like, I'm trying to get really specific here, but Academics will say, let's say someone wants to make a table. So they'll have these four causes. One will be the material, so the wood, the design, uh, someone, an agent, someone to put together, and then you have the table. So if you if you have a table and that's final cause, cool. But then you have to ask yourself, what's the purpose of the table? Was it yeah. to have a nice family dinner? Was it to have a legacy piece that's going to be in our family for generations? Because if it's someone visiting from out of town, you just need to have a nice dinner. Remember, this is a metaphor. You could have done Uber Eats. <laughs> right. You could have gone to the food truck across the street. Right. And so it's a metaphor for life. People are building tables their whole life totally unnecessarily. They could have just had the meal. Mm -hmm. So when someone said, let's get specific about the boat, boat fans out there don't hate me. I love you. But when you when you buy a boat, you it, you, you you know, as Covey would say, you pick up one end of the stick, you pick up the other. Yes. You now need a truck and you need a thing to pull it. And yep. you probably maybe you need a dock or you need a place at your house for the garage thing. You yep. don't know what, what kind of how does this thing run? I mean, all these people go into these lakes and their boat runs out of fuel and they're hitting the side of the the the, the wall. They're like, what's going on? Like, what are you Marriages doing? Marriages are like <laughs> broken over the boat ramp. <laughs> and, you, yeah. and you're like, when you could have rented the boat for 0.01% of not just the cost of like the fuel cost. Yeah. True. <laughs> you yeah. could have spent $200 and went on the, the, the I'm, I'm making numbers up. Yes, let's, yeah. let's say you use the boat 10 times out of the year. Oh, let's say wild once a month, crazy, or use it yeah. several times during the summer. It would yeah. be cheaper to rent the boat and not have anything to do with the maintenance. True. Than to buy a boat. Now, if you want to buy a boat, don't lie to yourself that it wouldn't be cheaper to rent it. Yeah. Just, yeah. just understand you wanted to buy a boat because you wanted to have the ownership, the control, that you wanted to use all these toys. Yep. Same thing with a pool. And you could go on and on and on and on and on. Oh, you want a cool experience with your kids at the pool? There's free pools on every block in Utah, my friend. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I want my own. I don't like people. I don't like being around so, public people. Uh, I know. Bully things. <laughs> so, I, but, but, so, so, but I also agree with that. You know, I have a company that makes pools out of containers and make tiny houses. I do all, I do all kinds of weird things, right? Awesome. I make over a uh, yeah. hundred different products at any given time. So I love physical products. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. All I'm saying is, I'm not imposing my values on anyone, and neither yes. are you. Yes. I'm saying, don't lie to yourself about how you're going to achieve them. If you want a pool, recognize that you're going to have to have someone there once a month fixing it when it breaks. 
Yep. That's that's okay. Just don't lie to yourself. Don't pretend yep. like your kids are going to clean it when you're going to. Like True. same thing with a dog. You I know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so so everything's good. Let's stop lying to ourselves. So Covey, I'm a mentor, a mentee of Covey, right? So he would also say, everyone knows this one. Begin with the end in mind. Yes. Yeah. I love it. The man never said begin with means in mind. Oh, that's interesting. Not, never said it once. And so everyone says my goals, my habits, my strengths, all these things, how much money I have, how much education I have, how much yeah. these are, these are tools, not destinations. Yeah. They, they are means, not ends. So most of us have turned our obsession with habits forever habiting and never inhabiting. I love that. Ooh. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. So what happens is people are like so obsessed with the means they've made means ends unto themselves. Once you just yeah. Skip, hop, and jump over to the end, which is probably what's the purpose of the pool? What's the purpose yes. of the boat trip? Now it could have been done in a car. We didn't need a lake at all. We could have done anything. That changes everything. That really <laughs> You're like messing with me, Richie. No, it's so true. Like, okay, but I want to make memories with my family and go to Disneyland. Oh, wait, you want to make memories with your family or yes. go to Disneyland? Because you yes. can make memories baking cookies in your kitchen with your kids that, at night. That, that's right. And so when it becomes all about Disneyland, what will happen is, think about this naturally. They, let's say let's say it really is about Disneyland. I'll just okay. pretend for a second. It's not even about the experience of the kids. It's just the whole Disneyland thing. I've been to Disneyland in in in, in Shanghai, by the way. Like I've been to like some really interesting oh, places. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so what will someone say who says they can't go to Disneyland is then they will save up this dream for five years. Yes. Instead of doing all these other cool other dreams in between. Yeah. Which, by the way, those in-between dreams will probably be more memorable than the Disneyland trip. Than one trip. Because you know the kids only remember when they lost their little toy on the ride and not 99% of the rest of the trip. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so so we bring our kids with everywhere since they were young. We have fun. We do all these things. We're not perfect. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm sharing these lessons because I I had to learn the hard way. You know what yeah. I mean? And yes. I spent I spent my time talking with cool people with you and interviewing thousands of people, many of which were in retirement or approaching retirement about yeah. what worked and what what didn't work. Specifically about regret. Yeah. And that's where this these stories are coming from because I realized like I like if you want the boat by the boat but did you really need it did you yes. really did you really want it if yes okay if no there's probably 10 million other ways to have a cool experience with your kids than making them sail in a boat with life jacket on when everyone's hitting each other you know what i'm saying like, right. I, like, like right. yeah so it, just don't lie to yourself stop lying to yourself and yes. have, have faith you know unconditional love and go to work and when tragedies hit you what happens is you create a space around you yeah. So that so that so that you can move in and out of these situations a little more flexibility yes. that than you normally would. Do you have are all these strategies or at least some of them in the anti time management book or power of starting something stupid? Yeah, they, they they go hand in hand. You know, Brene Brown blogged the power of starting something stupid, saying it was changing her and her husband's lives, and it blew the book up. And I but I learned from that book that people would do this two-step thing. They do one thing to get the next. And now I'm just saying, just do the next thing. Just do the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And here's, and here's how. And, and I have a copy in front of me, but like, you'll see this little diagram there in the middle yes. where, where a line goes through a prism and then it creates all these other outcomes. Yes. That's the idea. How can you really just like clear the clutter and do uh -huh. one 
do one thing that makes all the other things work out. Because most people are doing many things to try and get one result and don't get any. Right. Totally. Okay. <laughs> Is this book out now, Richie? The- oh, yeah. It's at okay. Barnes & Noble. It's, at, it's, it's on Amazon. You can go to richienorton.com slash time. And I have a bunch of free uh, tools, worksheets, video, audio stuff, a whole challenge to help you take these ideas we've been talking about today and a bunch more for free. So, you know, check it out. Do you feel like in writing this book and in living your life and even just even just the fact that you're living in Hawaii, there's just a different mentality down there. Do you feel like you are able to focus on instead of managing your time, managing your passions easier? Like, do you feel like maybe uh, you haven't mastered it yet, but that you're like, yeah, I have a pretty good grasp on this. I can go surfing with my boys. I can spend time with my amazing wife. I can do all this while still creating these wildly successful businesses and writing books and doing these things because you are focused on the passions and what you love and what's the outcomes instead of your time specifically. That's a, that's a good question. And I, I would say, I would say yes and no. Where, where you live creates the environment around you in which you behave. I mean, it becomes your lifestyle by sure. default, by default. And so changing how you're paid changes your life because it changes where you live, when, what, and what you do. Yeah. That, that said, just because the beach is in my yard doesn't mean I'm going to go to the beach. I could put my head down and never go out. And, you know, yeah. for someone that thinks that's crazy, you go, mm, tell me how many people live in Anaheim that don't go to Disneyland every day. Mm. True. Yeah. Most, yeah. Most of them. You know what I mean? So I grew up in San Diego, you know, like, like I get it. So you, you think of your own backyard and you go, I'm not hiking in those beautiful Timpanogos, whatever. I'm, I'm not doing that every day. Well, why not? You got things to do, man. So it's, it's yeah. really prioritizing your attention makes a difference. You go like this, you go purpose creates priorities. Because when we were kids, they said, you get the jelly bean at the end of the day. That had nothing yeah. to do with the jelly bean. That was about control. Right. And that's the way it still works today. You could have had the jelly bean and had a great day. It was yeah. control. <laughs> let, 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 let's not lie to ourselves why people incentivize us. So, you know, you, you have, you got this, you put your priority first, not last. That's critical because almost everyone puts the priority ironically last. So you it's go, true. It's true. And you go, you go, so you go purpose, priority, create a project around your priorities and you feel like you're doing it. I am an author, not I will write a book. I am a podcaster, not I will do that. I am healthy. Therefore, I eat this way or whatever it is. Then you find a way to get paid if you're looking to make money through this. That's in alignment with that lifestyle. You can still get paid first, but when you yeah. get paid in a way that does not align, it's not congruent, doesn't create autonomy or availability or the ability to do the things you want to do, then you are forced to be able to split your life in two. This yes. is work. This is life. And that's, yes. that, that doesn't work anymore today. It's the 21st century. Life is life. Right. <laughs> so now right. you have more choices, more opportunities, and more freedoms. I love it so much, Richie. I just, you have blown my mind so many times today with, I love all of your awesome golden one-liners. You have lots of nuggets of wisdom <laughs> in there. I love it so much. And I feel like, oh, I just kind of want to, I want to do a masterclass with Richie Norton. Do you do masterclasses or yeah. things yeah, with people? What, whatever you want. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Teach me how to live the way you do. No, and just have that. I, just honestly, just... 
if whatever you want that I love that thought of that's available to you now. It's not something that, and not saying that you don't have to work for things or work hard or something yeah. do take time. Oh, cool. of after. course. Yeah. Of course. But that it's not, well, yes. no. someday I'll think about that. It's a, it's a different way of thinking. So it it's is. A, it's not about hard work. It's about different thinking. Yeah. I mean, one last thing, I think whoever's listening to this, give yourself a break. Like a lot of the things you're like, like, telling yourself you're not good at or you're weak at maybe actually positives in your life. You just have to think about it differently. So procrastinators, Oh, I hate procrastination. I go, yeah, but think about it. No one's more, no one's more productive than a procrastinator with an impending deadline. It's like no, no one. <laughs> so you can do heroic work overnight if you want to. So if that's true for you, why not plan for that? <laughs> and stop I stressing. <laughs> yes. Yes. One of my very favorite scriptures, it's in the Book of Mormon, and it's the one where it says, I'll make weaknesses become strengths. And I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, but my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. But I, I used to think, I used to read that and think, okay, the things that I'm bad at, he'll make better. My weaknesses mm -hmm. will become my strengths. They won't be weak anymore. They'll be a strength. But then I started reading it as you just said, what if my weaknesses are my strengths? The fact that I'm so sensitive and things bother me and it's having a sensitive heart means I'm more empathetic and can relate to people. People yes. come to me and tell me things. Yes. What if the fact that you procrastinate means, okay, but when I need to get something done, I can do it and I can do it like nobody else can. That's I can right. clean that house like nobody's business before and 100%. make it beautiful. What if the strength, the weaknesses, That's it. heavenly father says, no, they are your strengths instead. Yes. And yes. it changes everything. Absolutely. That, that is it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the book of Mormon is true. Uh, it's so Richie Norton. I love it. Richie, thank you so much for talking with me today, for taking the time to come on the podcast. The book again, well, among others, The Power of Starting Something Stupid, Resumes Are Dead, What to Do About It, and then your newest book, Anti-Time Management. These are all available. Desert Book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Awesome. Thank you for talking with me today, honestly, and just for all the good you are doing. Oh, it was my honor. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Richie. Thank you.